Hi, I'm Ryan Miner. I'm the host of a Minor Detail podcast where it's all about Maryland. We have a no-holds-barred conversation featuring Maryland newsmakers and newsbreakers, journalists, reporters, politicos, politicians, policy wonks, prognosticators, political activists, organizers, community leaders, and so many more. Man, that's a lot of peace. Here on a Minor Detail podcast, we get to the bottom of every story. We talk about news and politics in an open and honest format. And we find the minor details because every detail matters. You can follow us on the web at a aminordetailpodcast.com and aminordetail.com for the latest Maryland news and politics. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. All right, everybody. Good evening. Uh, Happy New Year to everyone who is listening. This is a Minor Detail podcast. My name is Ryan Miner, and I am your host. And tonight we are talking about the Potomac Pipeline. And I have with me a very special guest, Delegate-elect Lorig Charcutian, who I said I would not mispronounce her name. And I'm so – I'm, like, thrilled with myself um, because I – pronounced her name correctly. So, Dr. Charcutian, welcome to a Minor Detail Podcast. I believe this is your first time. Thank you, Ryan. Yes, it is. Yes. So, thank you, and congratulations on your election. You are joining the Maryland House of Delegates. Uh, You will be sworn in in only a few days, and I believe it's on the 9th. Is that correct? That is correct. So, District 20, uh, that's a that is a, a one of the most interesting districts in the state. I live in District 17, but you have your work cut out for you, and I'm I'm happy that you'll be joining the delegation. Are you excited? I am. I love District 20. I love the state of Maryland. I'm honored to have this opportunity to represent this district in um in the in the General Assembly, and I'm excited for the possibilities. Well, it's you're going to have a blast. I know it, and. Um, the upcoming session will be, uh, I think, unique. That it is. Uh, there's a lot of important pieces of public policy, um, and tonight, what we're going to discuss the the pipeline. Um, had that been, had something gone in a different direction, I could imagine that p- potential legislation may have been introduced or some other legislative action. So today at the Maryland Public Works, um, the Board of Public Works, which is comprised by Governor Larry Hogan. Comptroller Peter Francho and our state treasurer Nancy Kopp, they voted three out of three, a unanimous vote um, to block Columbia Gas from using state land to build the natural gas pipeline that yourself and many others have been fighting for years uh, to, to, to halt. And I know a little bit about this. I've been following this pipeline delegate-elect uh, because I'm from Washington County, and the stretch of land that it would have uh, gone through um, by the CNO Canal is up in a little-known town called Hancock. And you may or you may have been there before. I they have. have uh, I have been to yeah. Hancock. Yes, I've done a lot of paddling on the Potomac River out that way, actually. <laughs> Yes, I also wanted to mention to the audience that you are uh, like a world class athlete, and you are no, uh, no, no, no. no I, <laughs> I need to stop you there. I just run far. I'm not a world class athlete. 
Well, that's it's so impressive. I've seen you run before, and uh, that's what you do is very impressive. But Hancock is one of those unique small towns in America, and we're very lucky to have it here in Western Maryland, and uh, or rather in Maryland. The town of Hancock has a few excellent restaurants. Um, it's you, you you can drive through it in under two minutes. I believe it has one or two stoplights. It has one town lawyer. Um, I think it has more churches than it has people, um, but uh, it's it's a unique little place uh, right there located uh, off the CNO Canal and on the Potomac River. And so the they wanted to the a subsidiary of Trans Canada wanted to build a pipeline through there for natural gas. So that's what I wanted to bring you on. You fought against this. Let's talk about this pipeline. It was 3.5 miles. It's nicknamed the Potomac Pipeline. It would bring natural gas from Pennsylvania to uh, to West Virginia. It would bisect the narrowest slice of Maryland's panhandle beneath the Potomac River. So they would actually dig it below the Potomac River. Delegate-elect, what are – or what – I should say what were because this fight may not be over, and we're going to talk about that. What are the environmental concerns that are being raised about this pipeline? Yeah, so – well, you know, and there's so many. Um, so the first thing I think that's worth talking about is um, – there's so many, it's hard to sort out where to start. But the, one of the, the places I'd like to start is just talking about climate change in general. And so sure. um, anytime that we – um, build infrastructure that supports greater use of fossil fuels. Um, we are cooking the planet and we're pushing ourselves further backwards in this fight against climate change. And so um, I think there's, there's sufficient scientific evidence that we need to leave what's left of fossil fuels in the ground, that if we continue to use those fossil fuels until, um, you know, until we've used them all up, then we will have uh, destroyed the planet in terms of the, um, in terms of climate change. And so, um, so the fact that there is cheap natural gas available through fracking, which I'll get to in a second in terms of mm. those environmental problems, but the fact that it's available does not mean that we should be using it. And it does not mean that we should be building infrastructure to allow greater use of it. And so, um, so the first thing is that we need to make sure we're leaving fossil fuels in the ground, everything that's left, leave it there and start building, um, start really building the infrastructure for renewable energy. And so, um, so it's really important that when Maryland has a chance, you know, so many things about climate change are, of course, national and, and international in the policymaking that has to be done. But there are a lot of things that Maryland can do. And one of the things that we can do is make sure that we don't um, allow the building of additional infrastructure to support the use of fossil fuels. So that's that's A with this this pipeline. Um, B Maryland has taken a stand on fracking. We have determined that because of the because of the public health dangers associated with fracking, um, issues related to certainly all the issues related to climate that I just talked about, but in terms of groundwater, in terms of concerns about seismic shifts in terms of all the dangers associated with fracking. We have banned fracking in Maryland. We have taken a clear stance to say this is not um, this is not uh, safe for our residents. And so to then turn around and build infrastructure that allows for increased fracking and increased use of the fracked gas, uh, in this case, the fracking happening in, in West Virginia and um, Pennsylvania, um, is uh, contrary to the decision that we 
um, just successfully made after also years of grassroots efforts um, in 2017, abandoned fracking. And the very same concerns that we had about fracking um, that led to that ban, the public health concerns related to potential water contamination, um, come up again specifically as it relates to this pipeline and the fact that it would go under the Potomac River um, and that any spill, no matter how unlikely, the fact is that, you know, with all the precautions one might take in the, in the, in the building process, there is still a possibility of, um, of accidents and spills and the, the possibility of a spill leading to um, contamination of water for 6 million people um, downstream is just not a risk, no matter how small that risk is, it's just not a risk that we can be taking um, in, in the state. And so uh, for all of those reasons, there has been a really important um, grassroots movement. And I say, you know, I think the work that we're doing legislatively is, is crucial, but I also think that um, really what's brought this issue to the forefront has been a, a really remarkable um, grassroots movement, and I want to commend all of those who have worked for the last several years um, to educate the general public and, and lawmakers about the dangers associated with this and, and why we need to stop it. Two issues that I want to bring up. One is, could you tell us when this project first launched or when the, when it was when it first came to fruition that this could possibly happen beneath the, the surface of the Potomac River. And second, let's talk about the coalition that was put into place to protest and to bring awareness. It was not only activists, environmental activists and uh, folks like yourself, but moreover, it was it was city councils, including the I believe the entire D.C. city council who opposed this, um, as well as some other local municipal governments. So. Could you address both of those points? Is and, and I'm, I'm interested. I hadn't heard about this until um, it, last year. Uh, I believe that's when it came on my radar. But when did this all start, mm-hmm. Delegate Elect? Um, thanks. Yeah, I I um, became aware of it probably about two years ago. Uh, and I, I actually need to say I'm not. I um, you may need to ask somebody about the, else about the specific history. So I'm not sure exactly when it sort of started going through the. Um, uh, the regulatory process and then uh, the permitting process. But um, I became aware of it, and I think the the um, movement really took off probably about two years ago. Um, and I think you're right. You know, there's been um, there's been several environmental organizations um, that have been working on it in in a coalition, um, and uh, and several local governments recognizing the potential danger to their residents have taken positions on it as well. And so there's been um, there's been that effort too. So here we are today. The public works, um, the or rather the yeah the board of public works. It was unsure going into this vote today. Uh, and let's talk a little bit about the politics behind it. For some time now, supporters, they stood in front of the governor's mansion down in Annapolis holding up signs. They have actively protested against the pipeline beneath the beneath the Potomac River. And activists and other organizations, they have been heavily leaning on Governor Hogan. Before he walked in there into the Board of Public Works meeting today, did you have any idea, Delegate-elect, the way that he would vote? 
Um, we didn't, and actually we thought that he would vote in favor of it. I think most of us did. Uh, so this was uh, just thrilling to see this unanimous vote. Um, the um, the um, history of it is that the in the past, the Maryland Department of the Environment has had other opportunities, permitting opportunities. I won't get too technical because um, I'm not sure. Uh, but there, there's been other permitting opportunities where the Maryland Department of the Environment could have stopped the pipeline and made decisions that really let the planning um, and the process go forward. And so those are those are um, executive agencies. And so it was our sense that, you know, under, under the governor's leadership, the, that he, he would reflect in his vote the same decisions that, that his executive agencies reflected. So this, um, so there have been other opportunities to stop this prior to this. This particular vote was related to an easement on state land. Um, and so, as you said earlier, and we should mention, while this uh, seems like it could be the end of the project. It's not inherently the end of the project, and so we need to stay vigilant. Um, but this particular vote was on um, granting the easement of uh, 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 through state land, and so it was in the Board of Public Works because that's the age, that's the uh, board that has to has to has to make those decisions. Um, and you know, frankly, we were you know hoping for a two to one vote, which would have successfully stopped it, um, and and we were really um, as you know, um, David Moon and I uh, did some some letter drafting, and then David organized others to sign on, and so we got 63 other um, elected officials in a very short time period over a holiday weekend to sign on to it, and made it very clear that that uh, our constituents didn't want this to go forward. And so we were we were thrilled with with the result and with the unanimous vote. Right. Uh, in fact, I want to talk about the letter. You. You and Delegate David Moon, one of your colleagues in District 20, you drafted a letter, and it was fairly short, but straight to the point that you oppose this TransCanada's um, proposal to build this pipeline, and you wanted other lawmakers to sign on to it to send a note directly to the governor. And so you made that happen, yes, over the holiday weekend, over the New Year's Eve weekend. So. Tell us about how that letter came to fruition, and what was your process for corralling those votes? Or well, you know, actually, so, so a, yeah, a constituent reached out to us um, and said, you know, like, hey, is there anything you can do um, to reach out to the treasurer and the comptroller and and to to see if we have their votes? Because it wasn't clear based on the there had been a meeting on December 18th and the vote had been postponed. In the conversation at that meeting, it hadn't been clear. Um, how how folks were going to vote and so so um so uh you know we the our delegation kind of emailed each other and i drafted some language and i said let's you know we could do this this letter from the district 20 delegation and david said let's you know send it out and see um who else would want to sign on and you know we thought holiday weekend we'll get a handful of other names on there before before we get it out and um and people were just really um, appreciated the opportunity to weigh in. And, um, and so lots of people signed on. And I, I'm frankly, I'm sure there's a lot more who would have signed on if they had been checking their emails, you know, on New Year's Eve. <laughs> so <laughs> I think 63 is great. I think it's, you know, and I think probably it represents another 63 who probably also support the position. Yeah, I would agree, especially over a holiday weekend where people do tend to shut down technology or they're, you know, hey, it's we, my wife and I were out enjoying our New Year's Eve, I can't tell you if I would have answered my phone or not if I but um that that is certainly encouraging. Now on the flip side, I did have an opportunity 
to talk to state delegate uh, Mike McKay, who represents both Allegheny and Washington counties in District 1C. He's a Republican. He called the decision by the board uh, disappointing. He, we, we discussed this over the phone tonight. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to join the conversation tonight. He said that he wasn't aware that the governor was going to go in this direction and even said that the governor never contacted him or any member of the delegation to discuss this this plan. And he seemed very shocked by the governor's position. And I think that um, the, the, the delegate McKay, he sounded a bit unhappy with the governor, and he claimed that there was little opposition to this plan, especially in the Hancock area. And he had noted to me that the, uh, the, the Hancock Town Council had discussed this plan. There had been several activists who showed up to meetings, I just want to point out. But he said that the town council was largely in support of this plan. Did you want to comment? Well, I can't speak to the town council's support. I don't. I don't know about that. Um, but I. I can say that. Um, and I. You know. Of course, he's. He is elected to represent that community, and so I, I wouldn't want to. Um, you know. I think he needs to to speak for, for himself in 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 that community. I I will say that. Um, I'm an economist by training, and I have spent a lot of time thinking about our economy and our economy in the state. And um, and I think that, you know, what we've seen a lot, uh, what we often see with some of the issues around um, fossil fuels and natural resources is that when there are areas that have struggled economically, that have been ignored, um, or where we have, you know, we have a real crisis in terms of our food system, for example, in the state. And I mean, in this in this country where we, you know, have cheap, horrible food um, that uh, that pa- you know, pa- passes for food that makes people sick. And um, and so as a result of that food system, you know, farmers and farmland is, um, uh, you know, farmers are in real trouble and um, and farmland isn't as, as productive as it could be. And so you have rural areas of the state that maybe historically um, had had success, had had economic success and opportunities around with agriculture or manufacturing and, and are struggling. And so, so, so there's real genuine issues that have to be addressed. And when the only option on the table is um, an opportunity to um, frack gas or build pipelines, it may feel like um, there's a need to do something for um, economic investment in a community. And I think that the challenge is that as a as a state body, we need to sort of step back. We need to care about all of the communities in the state, not just the ones we represent. So here I am in District 20, and I am concerned about the economy in Western Maryland. Um, but we need to think about how do we make it not a choice about, you know, is it economic development versus um, something that could really put public health at risk and put the, the future of the planet at risk? Or can we really think more broadly about what about our food system and the agricultural economy? And what are the investments that we need to make so that, um, and in Western Maryland, it's dairy farmers, but all farming is um, is successful and people can 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 lead you know productive lives. And what about other manufacturing? And what about manufacturing you know of uh, wind turbines? You know, and there's there's opportunities in Western Maryland for um, other kinds of energy production that. Um, that uh, is is helpful in in, um, in in slowing down climate change as opposed to being harmful. And so, 
and I'm sure there's more um, that I'm not, uh, you know, that I haven't thought about yet. But um, but I think it's really important that um, that we are engaging as a deliberative legislative body um, with Delegate McKay, McKay with others uh, from that community and, and really thinking about, um, you know, what are the economic challenges? What are the reasons that this seems like an attractive direction to go? And what are other ways that we can meet those same needs uh, without also putting the planet and our other residents downstream um, in danger? Delegate-elect, did you have opposition to your opposition? Were there people who were actively in support of this pipeline, uh, aside from the company itself, but did you did you hear from the other side? Can you speak to that? Um, people have not reached out to me directly. Okay. Is that what you mean? Well, not necessarily that, but are you aware of some some support for this pipeline aside from of course the the company who was pushing this and who was seeking the easement from the board of public mm-hmm. works well i mean i'm aware i'm aware because i you know try to understand all of the sides of any given issue so i'm aware that there are people who um promote frack natural gas as a low cost um you know energy solution and one that's you know, relatively preferable to coal. I mean, I'm aware of that argument. I don't agree with it, and I, you know, think it presents far too many dangers. But I'm aware. So I'm aware of the other ideas that are out there, and that there are people, um, you know, who who support it and who support its role in, as I was talking about earlier, in economic development. I, but you know, my constituents and nor any lobbyists or anyone else have reached out to me to, to talk about the issue directly. Did you personally lobby? the governor or the comptroller or the state treasurer? Well, since I've been elected, I've worked on this letter. Before I was elected, um, I was an activist, so I, you know, I participated in um, letter writing campaigns and marching mm-hmm. and, and so on, you know, on this issue and others. Okay. And today, the governor, in brief remarks, um, he had said that the board's decision had nothing to do with the letter that was written by members of the legislature and uh, the delegates who are yet to be sworn in, but rather that uh, that he defer- the meeting was deferred until today and that they were always going to have a three nothing vote. However, the governor never quite expressed that. He never said what he was going to do with his vote. There was speculation, however, but I think that Many people were surprised today that he joined Comptroller Frantro and State Treasurer Cop in this decision. So is that a partisan win for the governor? Is that a is that a political win or is it a overwhelmingly bipartisan win for the state of Maryland? What say you? Yeah, well, you know, I think that um, the bottom line is I think this is a win for the state of Maryland. It's a win for our fight against climate change. It's a win for public health. Um, it's a win for our waterways, and um, and it's a win for you know the possibility of investing in an economy that grows jobs and protects the planet at the same time. So it's a win across the board. And um, and if um, and if that's you know bipartisan, and if the governor uh, you know is is part of that, all the better. You know, like let's do it together. The planet's on fire, so I don't you know, I'm not worried about um, you know who's uh, you know, the, the, whether it's, 
Democratic idea, Republican idea. We just, you know, the planet's on fire and we need to address it. So I think it's great. Maybe he was going to do it all along. Maybe the letter influenced him. Maybe not. I'm, you know, let's, I'm just, I'm excited that we have this outcome and, um, and excited to move forward. And, you know, there's, we, like, this is great, but we also have to remember, like, we stopped a pipeline that was potentially um, catastrophic, right? There's so much more that we have to do to build the infrastructure for the renewable energy um, and the future. Um, and then, you know, frankly, start investing in in, in other technologies and, um, you know, farming approaches and, and uh, wetlands and so on that, that can actually reverse climate change. So um, we're absolutely celebrating today. Um, and uh, it's just the beginning. Uh, so, uh, so we're not, you know, we don't want to get, get so excited about this that we think our fight is done. You know, like we, there's still so much more work to do. And I, you know, I look forward to doing it in a, in a bipartisan cross state manner. The, 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 the victory today for folks like yourself and many others, I, they, I, my, the feedback that I have heard delegate elect is that the politicians who are in power, they paid attention and regardless of who gets the credit. And I don't think that that's the issue that who, that a movement came together and stopped what could have been a, a, a natural gas disaster. Um, on the other side, some people say that it would have been a good thing. So, um, but it shows that the power of people organizing matters, and especially in a state like Maryland. It, everything matters. And to anybody who is listening that, who, who thinks that bad pieces of public policy can't be stopped or good pieces of policy, good pu- pieces of public policy can be pushed through, the power of organizing, it matters in this political culture. And that's what always fascinates me is how – these movements come together. And that's, I mean, I like, I like to cover this kind of stuff. I think it's interesting, um, and especially the politics. So thinking ahead uh, to this upcoming session, um, and it's, like I said, I think it's going to be very exciting. What are you most looking forward to? What kind of pieces of legislation are you looking forward to, to getting on? And uh, tell us about your committee assignment. Well, thank you. Let me, I just want to back up. I do hope that uh, if you haven't already or on this issue, I think it would be fascinating for you to talk to some of the groups that have done the organizing around this, because I think it is, I think to your, your, that point, it is a, it is really a a lesson in uh, grassroots organizing. And so, um, so, you know, I think it's, it's good to acknowledge that. And I think it would be great to have the folks who, who did that work um, on here talking about it. So your, your listeners could hear from them as well. Um, so I am, I was just recently assigned to Economic Matters. And so, you know, we've been talking a little bit about what do we do other than build pipelines. And what we do other than build pipelines is we build the infrastructure for renewable energy. And that's, um, you know, we have the Clean Energy Jobs Act coming uh, before my committee that lays a very clear path to 50% and lays a path to uh, 100% with uh, an opportunity to look back after technology has has uh, has improved some. And, um, and so that's a huge priority and it's uh, really designed to both move us towards a renewable um, energy future that we need to be in and to, to bring good jobs to, to Maryland. And so uh, that's a huge priority across the board. It's a priority. It'll be in, in my committee. Um, staying on the environment for a minute, we, I also have, um, I have a, a, um, I'll be introducing a bill to allow for um, 
uh, more local governments to be able to move more quickly towards 100% renewable um, energy. It's a community choice aggregation. If folks want to look into that, a couple of states have that. And, um, and another bill to increase the investment in energy efficiency, which is a really important point. It's a really important piece of how we, um, how we get to, to uh, 100% eventually. Um, energy efficiency is, uh, is a crucial piece of that. And so I have a, a bill that will support that. I also have a bill um, that sort of goes across a lot of these issues that we've been talking about, which is related to our food systems and increasing um, the state procurement of locally grown food. And, um, and there's, a, there's a lot of work that we need to do in terms of our food system, which affects our health, it affects the environment, it affects our economy, um, it affects labor. And so uh, this bill is just sort of one small step in that direction, but I'm really excited to, to introduce it and, and to work on that. Um, I also have um, that also in economic matters, um, we have some really important economic justice issues coming and uh, the fight for 15 is a really big one and I'm excited to work with that coalition and with my colleagues to make sure that we get a $15 minimum wage in Maryland through and um, that we get a, a clean bill through that really is across the board, including everybody who, uh, who works in the state um, well, and tied to inflation. It's going to be a busy session, and it is. it's going to be it it's going to be fun to watch from from my end. Now, I I hope that when you are in session, that you stop over to Harry Brown's on Thursday night, where a minor detail podcast will be broadcasting live, and you can come back, and we can have uh, a more in depth conversation about what's happening during the session. So I invite you anytime you have an open seat there to uh, to join us there. So um, we'll fabulous. Be Thank you. I will stop by. Absolutely, delegate elect. Thank you so much for coming on at the last minute. Um, I, I, I've been following this story closely, and so I'm, I'm, I'm sure this was a victory for many people today in the state of Maryland. And I think it goes to show you that elected officials do, take, do pay attention to their constituencies. And so the, the upcoming session will be interesting to watch, and uh, I'll be covering it. So thanks again for joining us for the first time. And Best of luck to you, and congratulations. Thank you so much, Ryan. Take care. All right. You too. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. We are going to be covering session pretty closely. Again, I'm going to be during session beginning January the 17th at Harry Brown's, good old Harry Brown's right across the street from the state capitol, right there on the circle, every Thursday night at 7 o'clock. Don't miss it. It's, we're going to be live. We're going to be doing this. It's going to be raw audio streaming. We're going to be talking to state legislators, the lobbyists. We're going to be talking to staffers, anybody that we can get our hands on. And I am very lucky to be partnering with MarylandReporter.com, my good friend Len Lazaric, who is the editor and publisher of the MarylandReporter.com. Please check them out. Subscribe to their daily rundown of politics. And yeah session is starting it's the new year and maryland politics is starting up and it's i'm fired up i am ready to cover this i am so excited to be in annapolis this session and talking to lawmakers and newsbreakers and journalists so as you can tell by the sound of my voice i am i'm really fired up about this this is going to be so much fun thanks again for listening tonight my name is ryan minor this is a minor detail podcast for the latest and breaking news on Maryland politics, follow me on the web at minordetail.com. And I'm building a new site. Soon that it will be 
ready to go. It's a minor detail podcast where you can listen to the latest episodes and previous episodes of a minor detail podcast. That's it for me, everybody. You have a great night, and we will be back soon.